Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip-and-zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Raley, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We've got another good one for you. A listener of the show, uh, Jake Onasorgi. I'm sure I butchered that. Sorry, Jake. Uh, he was able to seal the deal on an opening day buck in Wisconsin, uh, his biggest archery buck to date. And he was kind enough to come on the show and share the story with us. Now, Jake, uh, really interesting guy, right? And Jake is a former college and professional football player. Uh, he's from Wisconsin. After hanging up the helmet and the pads, though, Jake picked up a bow, and he's been hooked on bow hunting ever since. Uh, he began this season with a goal to take his biggest archery buck yet, and he succeeded right out of the gate. So in this episode, we discuss Jake's transition out of football and into his current career and the connection between fitness and hunting, and also Jake's thought process and strategy to take this opening day buck. It's a really good one. I think you're definitely going to want to hear this. Uh, a couple things in here to stick in your back pocket for next early season. But man, I just love having a listener success story. So as you're having success in the deer woods this fall, tag me in your photos so I can see what you're putting on the ground and hit me up if you want to come on the show and share your success story. So Jake, Jake didn't actually hit me up. I saw Jake's success and I was like, hey, you want to come on the show? So, uh, you know, tag me in it and maybe I'll reach out to you. But uh, anyway, so I've got some housekeeping items to uh, get to before we get to the meat of the episode. First of all, a little bit of a personal update. Uh, as you likely know, I've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now. I was pretty new to the state of Wisconsin when I just, I fell in love with it all, uh, all that Wisconsin has to offer for outdoorsmen. And I just had this really fresh curiosity that made me want to dive headfirst into it all. And, and it inspired me to start this podcast to celebrate Wisconsin's outdoor heritage. Now, since then, we've seen a ton of success, a ton of growth. And I'm incredibly humble that you guys tune in each and every week. I hope we're providing high quality content uh, that's relevant for you guys. And we, we want to keep doing that. But we've had a little bit of a life change recently. And that means I have actually had to move out of the state of Wisconsin and move to Georgia. My wife had the opportunity uh, at a job that was one of those, you know, too good to turn it down kind of opportunities. So I'm now living in Northwest Georgia, but I'll still be hunting and fishing in Wisconsin each year. Uh, I've had such a great time making good friends there, enjoying the outdoors there. Uh, I just have a little bit of a longer drive now to get to my hunting and fishing spots than I had before. But uh, what this is gonna allow me to do is when I'm in Wisconsin, for you know, a, a week or two at a time, I'm really going to be dialed in and focused on what I'm there to do. I won't have work obligations or other things weighing me down. Now, I'll be keeping the content as relevant as possible uh, for all you guys. You won't even notice a difference really in the content other than maybe uh, some of my hunting starts happening in some of the other states around me like Georgia and Alabama and South Carolina. But as I've done the math, I'm actually going to hunt deer in Wisconsin more than any other state this season. I've got a two-week trip planned uh, during the rut. And so, uh, yeah, man, so I, I'm in Georgia now, but, man, my heart's in Wisconsin when it comes to the outdoors and to hunting. And, uh, yeah, just wanted to share that with all of you listeners for a couple of reasons. Number one, I didn't want to get down the road too far and folks be like, oh, this guy doesn't even live here. But but number two, you know, I just want to be fully transparent, man. Life happens, things happen, 
And, uh, you know, sometimes when uh, an opportunity for your spouse comes up, you just have to jump at it. And what that actually allowed me to do was walk away from my nine to five and be able to focus a lot more attention on the podcasts that I host, both the Wisconsin Sportsman podcast, as well as the How to Hunt Deer podcast. So we're looking at now trying to figure out how my schedule will allow me to put a lot more time into producing content and maybe doing some writing and some other things that I'm I'm really, really excited to get to all those. But for right now, I'm kind of adjusting to the work for a little while while my kids are at school and then uh, try to be stay-at-home dad in the afternoons when, when they're at home. So Anyway, lots more to come, but so glad that, uh, one, that I had the time in Wisconsin that I did. Number two, that I get to keep going there for a couple of weeks every single year to hunt and fish and all that good stuff. So if you hear rumors that the host of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast now lives in Georgia, that is very true. But rest assured, the content of the show will stay Wisconsin-focused. Next, I got to mention, please go leave this show a review uh, and, and resist the temptation now to give me a one-star review for moving to Georgia. Now, I, I, maybe I should have just asked for a review in a different a different episode or before I told you I moved to Georgia. But, hey, we all have our flaws, right? If you could, though, go leave me a review. Leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, man, that would be awesome if you could do that for me. Also, be sure to follow this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram as well. I'll be documenting all of my Wisconsin excursions and uh, maybe a few other things as my hunting ramps up here in the next couple of weeks. And then last but not least, please go show our partners some love. I've got some fantastic partners who have believed in this show and support it. And uh, man, I, I could not do what I do without them. And I couldn't be taking next steps in the outdoor industry like I am right now if it wasn't for these folks who have gotten behind me and gotten behind my show. So it would mean a lot to me if you would just go and support them as well. First of all, Tacticam, they are obviously the title sponsor of this show. You hear it every week. I think I mentioned last week, maybe it was in my other show, that, um, you know, I've just had nothing but good experiences with Tacticam. They, they're, they make great products, but there are great people behind these products. Now, they make the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. I've tried to use some others. Tacticam takes the cake by far. A lot of that is due to their camera quality, uh, but a lot of it is also due to their mounts and and, and adapters. Now, the Tacticam 6.0 and Solo Extreme are their new models. They're going to help you capture memories from the field so that you can relive them just like you're back in the moment and so you can share them with your family and friends. That's one of my personal favorite things to do is go out hunting and get to bring the footage back and show my kids who aren't quite old enough yet to be Uh, making long excursions onto public land. So I get to see a lot of cool things that they don't, and I love bringing that home to share with them. Now, Tacticam's new 6.0 camera features 4K 60 frame per second footage, up to 8X zoom, a touchscreen display, one-touch operation, and you get all of this in a compact, durable, waterproof package. Now, you can learn more about the 6.0 and the Solo Extreme, their full line of adapters and all that good stuff at Tacticam.com. Pick one up today and start sharing your hunt with Tacticam. This episode is also brought to you by Huntworth. Now, Huntworth is making comfortable, durable camo without the sticker shock. Uh, Another good company with good people behind the company. Uh, Had a good conversation with a couple of folks from Huntworth just the other day as we're getting outfitted out with uh, all of their new heat boost gear. And man, I got the Saskatoon pants, jacket, and vest. And oh my goodness, I was outside today and and I I couldn't keep the stuff on. It was so warm and it's light and it's soft and it's quiet. I cannot wait for the rut to be here. That is going to be my go-to. Not sure if I've mentioned it on here before, but I'm a big vest guy. Like I love wearing a vest. Number one, it keeps my core warm. Number two, it keeps my arms nice and free because I'm primarily bow hunting. So love wearing a vest. That Saskatoon vest is incredible. I love this thing already. Now I've got all my Huntworth gear in the tarnin pattern because I think that's the pattern that's gonna fit best no matter if I'm in the Piney Hills of the Southeast or the farmland mosaic of the Midwest up in Wisconsin. Uh, And I have confidence that this pattern is gonna perform great no matter where I'm at. So go check them out, huntworthgear.com. And then finally, Deer Lab, they're the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data in one place 
so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. Go check out their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more about all their awesome features and to get your 30-day free trial. Now, if you haven't done the free trial yet, now is the time to do it. Go get your 30-day free trial. Use it throughout the last couple of weeks of October and into November. I think you're going to love it. You get a 30-day free trial without any credit card required, so there's literally no risk to you. When you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN. You'll get 20% off of any of their plans. Now, with all that good stuff out of the way, let's get into the conversation with Jake about his opening day buck. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. And joining me this week, I've got Jake Onasorgi. Did I mess that up? Close enough. Close Everyone enough. Wrong. So right. that, that was pretty dang good. All right. Jake O is uh, joining me today. Jake, you put down a beautiful buck at the very end of September. And, man, I've been looking forward to having you on since I saw those pictures. Yeah, appreciate it, man. It's, it's really weird being done already with uh, filming buck tag, but glad I did. Yeah, man, I, I don't even know what to do having somebody on who's who's tagged out already uh, in Wisconsin. It's just like, I... I don't even know what to like. Should we talk about the rut? I don't even know. Does the rut even exist in your mind this year? Like, are you even thinking about it? Or yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Part of me wants to just like sit in a tree with no bow and just watch. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I feel like the, the whole off season I was thinking about the rut, and that's like the one one piece of private that I have is like really it's like the first couple days of the season or the rut. In between there, it's really not a great property. So I've been thinking all about the rut, man. Yeah. So I mean, is that a real? Uh, possibility for you, you know, getting out with a camera or just, you know, yeah, out? I, I, for sure. I'd go out with a camera or with somebody else they want me to film or something. Yeah. That's, I definitely have the itch to do it. And yeah, I'm probably not going to actually do it alone, but I plan on probably getting some intel. I'll probably get some cameras up in those kind of key rut spots and some public land maybe and just try to get some intel for next year too. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, I mean, you're free to be like the world's best wingman when it comes to hunting at this point. Do you have any buddies that you're going to like, try to get, you know, get, get them on a deer for, for this year? Yeah, I've got one or two. A couple of my buddies are, are pretty early on in, in hunting, so I'll try to get them on something probably, either a, a doe or maybe a small buck here or there. But, yeah, we'll see you. Very cool, man. Well, why don't you uh, kick things off? Just tell me a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, what your hunting looks like, uh, and then I'll just kind of pick it apart from there. Yeah, man. So, uh, born and raised in, in Wisconsin, kind of the, the, the South Central Wisconsin area, and grew up um, mainly deer hunting, doing a little bit of turkey too, but just kind of your standard rifle hunting with, with my dad and grandpa. And um, that's really all was to it. Did some fishing, always enjoyed being outdoors, but wasn't super into bow hunting or anything too serious growing up. Um, was able to, I went to college out in South Dakota and played some football out there. Um, so actually got into more fishing out there just because my fall was so busy with football. Uh, I think it'd do a lot of hunting, but they have some world-class fishing out there with walleye, perch and everything. So really got into that, um, but still made it back for, for the rival season here in Wisconsin. And then, um, kind of once I was done with college and playing football, but after that, um, came back and honestly got a, got the full-time job, but kind of outside of that was a little bit wanting to take on something new and I knew I loved the outdoors. So kind of archery ended up being that thing where I uh, started practicing with the bow a lot um, and really started to kind of focus on that, whether it was just practicing, scouting, and just really trying to take my first year to bow. So that was about four years ago. And kind of since then, just been diehard into the archery hunting, um, still do rifle hunting and kind of all other outdoor activities. So that's pretty much the, the quick summary. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. It, if you, uh, it, it would be considered blasphemy if you didn't still do the gun hunt every year, uh, in Wisconsin. I think that, that, that's a pretty serious thing around here. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> tradition. You, you can't miss that. Uh, and granted, yeah, the, the property we hunt for gun, it's not the best. Uh, you'll see a, a doe here and there. If you see any, like an eight point buck, it's a good year. So, but it's still tradition. Get out with my dad. I'm not sure if my grandpa's getting out this year or not. He's, he's, upper 80s and he's 89 this year he, he hunted last year but I, I think he's gonna hang it up this year so we'll see wow man that what a cool family experience though if you guys can get him out again and uh yeah. just, just get just to get him on a stand you know all kind of chip in but uh well you know jake the first time we ever talked i think was on the saddle hunter forum is that right yeah, i think that, you're right yeah that was a couple years ago yeah yeah it's like so you you hopped onto the saddle hunter forum uh are you still hunting out of a saddle now or has that kind of uh run its course for you yeah still hunting out of saddle still loving it so 
Um, I've changed up saddle, I think, since then, of kind of which one I use, but I've really, really been enjoying that. Um, kind of that first year, I, I bow hunted out of just your standard kind of ladder stand, and a buddy helped just, I hunted some of his spots, and it was okay, but I never really was a huge fan. I'm not, I'm not afraid of heights, but I feel like when you climb up in the ladder stand, it's like sitting down is fine, but you start standing up and starting to get shaky, and um, the next year after that, I, I got into saddle, and ever since then, I, I've really loved it, just the kind of how secure you feel, and then just some of the mobility, being able to hide behind the tree, yet kind of move around and shoot pretty much like 270 degrees. Yeah, man, I'm so I'm afraid of heights. I think I've said that on the podcast before. I like I do not like heights, but something about uh, running the saddle. I don't know if it's because I'm tied in the way that I am, or because it may be because there's always tension, right? Like I, I always stayed tied in in a tree stand, but like the constant rope being under tension, like I'm never, I never feel like I'm you know could slip or fall or anything like that because I'm always kind of held in there. Uh, has really helped me as, just as far as like my confidence in getting higher and higher, uh, which is really good when you're trying to hunt, especially as you get into the rut and the cover gets a little more iffy and uh, it's a lot easier to get picked off. So what uh, what kind of saddle are you running? Uh, so I'm running the, the Cruiser, I think it's Cruiser XC, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, so I, st- I started off with the just the tethered uh, Manus, kind of like their entry-level saddle, and it served its purpose and was, was good and just wanted to kind of, explore other options out there. I think that the cruiser's got a little bit more of like a, a panel that kind of opens up just a little more comfortable, kind of a little more adjustability too with the bridge. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, man, you, you mentioned there a, a whole bunch of things that I want to dive into. And the first one is, is football. Like I haven't had anybody on the show yet uh, that I know of who was like major into football. Now I played a little bit of football in high school uh, was not good by any means. Like I, I was good at one thing and that was like standing on the sideline and like making sure I didn't run out into the field. Like I was a guy that was really good by <laughs> at abiding by the, the line rule. You know, I was staying back far enough. Um, that was kind of my highlight. So tell me about your football career and journey and kind of how that has, I guess, maybe uh, shaped you as a deer hunter, because I, I have to believe that the lessons that you learned and some of the work ethic and that kind of thing that you picked up on in football has influenced you and the way that you hunt. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. I guess the, the quick summary uh, on, on the football side of things, just in high school was, was always a pretty decent player kind of realized, I think my kind of sophomore year of, of playing on varsity that I had a chance of kind of playing at the next level and set some goals of, of doing that. And, was able to put up a couple of decent years, uh, junior and senior year, got some recruiting um, just around the area and then some of the smaller kind of Division One schools as well um, and ended up going out to, to South Dakota State University. So that's a, a smaller Division One school. It's in the, the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So I'll say like North Dakota State and West Illinois, Illinois State and all those schools. Um, so yeah, I was out there for five years, redshirted my first year, um, put on some, some necessary weight. I was, I was an offensive lineman. I played center. So I was a little bit bigger back then. I've, I've lost like 70, 80 pounds since then. Um, so, yeah, I added some weight, became a starter my redshirt freshman year and started four years out there, um, which is an awesome experience, really kind of made some of my best friends I've had for a lifetime playing football out there and uh, just met a lot of awesome people and made some good connections. Um, was able and fortunate to play professionally for a couple of years, too, after that. Um, had some contracts with the, the Cowboys and the Cardinals for – uh, preseason and some other workouts and played actually in a, a brand new spring football league, the Alliance of American Football League. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the AAF. Um, so played in their one and only season. Uh, we got wow. eight games into the season and actually folded like mid season. Oh no. So it, okay. it, it was a pretty cool deal. I was on the, the team down in Phoenix and we played, uh, at Arizona state stadium and, like everything was first class and they, they definitely put a lot of money into it, but I guess they didn't have enough to back it up. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like a solid two years after college, I kind of chased that dream of, of playing the NFL I was able to, to do that um, just in training camp and stuff. And then just decided it was kind of time to, to move on to some other goals in my life and uh, definitely happy kind of the timing that I ended up moving on. It was kind of right before COVID happened and that made it really tough for, guys like me that are kind of borderline tryout guys. So, Yeah, for sure. So, uh, first of all, um, I, I want to pick apart this offensive lineman piece because you do not look like an offensive lineman. No offense to you. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate but, it. But, like, what, what is that? 
I mean, what is that body transformation like for you? I mean, you went out there, you put on a bunch of weight, you've obviously taken all that weight off. Like, man, how does that work? Like, is there, are you at what you would consider like your peak, you know, fitness right now? Like, were you having to really push yourself to keep that weight on or like, how did that work for you? Yeah. I mean, at my biggest, I was definitely like having to push just to keep that weight on. I think I'm, I'm naturally not the the heaviest dude. Like I think kind of what I, what I am right now is kind of just my, my natural living weight where I'm kind of ideal at. So there was a lot of obviously training hard with strength training and then, uh, yeah, eating, eating whatever, five, six, seven meals a day, just trying to, to maintain. I've always been kind of a, a hard gainer if I could put on whatever five pounds a year. That was a lot. So yeah, it was definitely hard to put it on. Um, it came off pretty quick. I'm not going to say it was, it was easy, but it was kind of eating like a normal three meals a day and, and doing <laughs> some decent workouts. The first like half of it came off pretty easy. And then kind of the second half had to eat a little bit cleaner and, and do a little bit uh, more dialed workouts. But yeah, as of right now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the terms of that. My, my peak kind of physical shape right now, I definitely have a ways I could still go, but I'm in a very um, good state to kind of just maintain where I can work out a little bit, eat decent and kind of just stay where I'm at. So yeah. a very comfortable phase. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, talk to me a little bit about uh, just the whole mental side. And and this is, I, this is not necessarily like outdoors related, but like there's got to be a whole mental thing going on when you go from playing football in college to chasing that dream of, of professional football. And then you transition out of that. Like, tell me a little bit about that journey and kind of how your priorities refocused to where you finally said, okay, it's time now to transition uh, away from this dream and, and how maybe some of that drive, because I imagine, you know, it's got to be a tremendous amount of drive to keep you going in the football space. Like how have you uh, refocused some of that drive now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was playing football, um, even starting in high school, it was very kind of goal oriented and really, yeah, the past, how many years that, that I played football, it was kind of like my, my one purpose is I want to be the, whatever the best center in the nation. I want to play uh, division one football and kind of having that singular focus. And like on a day to day, it was every choice you make, I'm either, either taking me closer or farther away from that goal. So it really provided me with just that kind of one driving force of, of focus and motivation. And that's something that kind of, I really thrive on. So I definitely admit that, once I decided I was done with football, it was kind of a, a few months there where I was kind of searching for, for that of, Hey, I, I lost this one thing that I've been working for the past whatever, 10 years. Um, so that's where I think kind of just really getting um, back in the outdoors with my fall spree just really helped out with that and really like focusing on, um, yeah, first year is really getting into archery and, and obviously I was putting that focus in my, my job too, but it was kind of split like 50, 50 of like, when I'm at work, I'm focused, but when I'm done, it's, it's focused on the outdoors. But it definitely, uh, playing football and that single focus that can take a toll on other things. And I'm sure that my girlfriend would tell you that I, I put football first a lot, which, which is probably true. So hopefully that's not too true with hunting nowadays, but she might tell you different. Yeah, man. So what are, what are some of the, the correlations that you see between the drive and how it paid off for you on the field versus now the drive that you have towards, you know, pursuing your outdoor passions? Uh, especially when it comes to bow hunting or do you see, you know, some things carrying over some skills that you learned carrying over? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some skills carrying over and it's, I think it's just having just a lot of preparation. It's, it's yeah, you can get lucky hunting and you can go out there and, and sit in the stand that you've sat in the past 15 years and, and get your deer and everything. And that's great. And a lot of people do that, but I think just if you want to kind of take the next step, you got to really have, have that goal and you have to prepare for it and and yeah you're scouting just like just like i'm scouting in football the the opponent for the next week you're scouting the deer and kind of what that deer movement's doing um not that i'm taking quite that level of watching film on them but yeah there's definitely a lot of similarities of just i guess having goals preparing and and still having fun while you're doing it yeah absolutely man absolutely so you kind of jumped in full bore with the whole archery thing Tell me about your archery journey leading into this season. I mean, obviously it's culminated in your your best archery buck here in the early season, which is not an easy time to bag a good buck. So tell me about that journey 
into the archery world and kind of how, you know, how your hunting has changed over the last handful of years? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess the journey into it is, is something I was always thinking about, even like in high school, but never, never pulled the trigger to get a, a, a bow or anything. And then like I said, in college, I was kind of busy. So that, that first fall after I decided I was done playing football, um, I picked up a cheap bear compound bow. I can't remember which one it was. One of the entry level ones off of Craigslist for, yeah, hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks or something. And, and yeah, just start practicing with it. Um, and hunted just looking back on it now, just so poorly of not knowing where my wind was blowing and bumping deer and yeah, sitting in a ground blind five days in a row, which the deer just bumping every time. So <laughs> definitely a lot of lessons learned, especially that first year. Um, but yeah, I think the first year I didn't, didn't get anything that was out in South Dakota. Um, the second year I got my first buck and it was like a, yeah, just a four pointer, I think. And that, that's honestly like pretty close to my most memorable buck I've gotten. Just that it's such a different feeling when you get one with a bow versus a rifle. Um, just being so up close and personal and, and just putting that much time and effort into it too. So I think that's when I for sure was hooked on it. And then, yeah, the past couple of years, um, was able to get one two years ago, I think. I'm trying to remember my years correctly. But the, during the COVID year when like everything was shut down, that's what I did my most hunting just because it was like, there's nothing to do. I'm stuck inside. So I'm just going to hunt like not every day, but a lot more <laughs> than I have done since then. Sure. Um, but yeah, since, so yeah, I've got pretty nice, like I think it was a like nine pointer one year. And then this year's my biggest one, a nice 10 pointer. Um, I couldn't pass it up. It's, it all happened pretty quick, but it's been a pretty, pretty good journey in about four years. Nice. Nice. One of the, one of the things that, uh, we first found out when we first started talking is we actually lived like right down the road from each other, not very far, uh, not very far at all. So tell me a little about your hunting scenario. Like, are you hunting private or public or a mix of both? And kind of like what your, what would you say your hunting strategy is? Like, are you a, are you a beast tactics kind of guy? Or are you a, you know, what, what would you say is kind of your, your overall, you know, approach? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, hunt a mix, mixture of, of private and public land. Um, that's what I've done for the past couple of years. I, I have some family with some, some land, uh, about like 45 minutes north of here. So, uh, that's a, a decent little spot of like 70 acres. Um, last year I had another private spot permission just from knocking on doors. Um, I lost that one this year. They had the family start hunting again. So it was going to be mainly public this year. Um, I was going to hunt opening weekends on private and then do public all through October and then maybe head back up to the private for some of the ruts because it's, yeah, it doesn't really hold um, a ton of, of bedding cover and a ton of deer. They kind of just pass through there. Um, so it's a pretty decent rut spot. Got some nice bucks on camera in the rut and early season is not too bad. So um, yeah, I was planning on doing a lot more public hunting this year, but uh, fortunately, unfortunately tagged out early. Yeah, man. So, all right. So let's, let's, uh, I guess, get into this specific deer season. You were obviously going through all the prep and all that stuff throughout the summer. Did you, heading into the season, did you feel like you had done the right amount of work? Do you feel like your homework was completed? Do you feel like you were, you know, on the deer going into the season? Or was this kind of a, man, I just got lucky? Um, I, I would say a little bit of both. Like, I feel like I put a lot of prep into it of, scouting private land and doing some, some prep work on the private land. Um, so I feel good about kind of what I did leading up to the season, but I don't know. I always feel like there's, there's always something more like I've never went into a season feeling like, Oh, I got everything dialed. I did everything I could. I always think, Oh, I should have done this. I should have hung that one more stand in this spot or tried this one other, uh, spot of public and scouted. Uh, so yeah, I, I felt pretty good going into it. Um, had some, some nice, uh, shooter bucks on camera, both in public and private. And yeah, I ended up, I, there was definitely some luck that went into it of, of the buck that I got. I wouldn't say I had him just super dialed on exactly. I knew he was going to come out at this time in this spot. There's some, some luck came into it, but I knew he was in the area and have got him, had him on camera quite a bit. So, yeah. So you, you mentioned you had some, some good shooter bucks on, uh, on camera. What, uh, what is your standard right now? Like, so I, I think back to myself last year, my standards were very different. Um, I ended up shooting a very small seven pointer. He was probably to this day, one of the most meaningful deer that I've ever shot because I was coming off of a dry spell 
and uh, and also making a couple of you know a couple of misses. Uh, made a bad shot on a buck in uh, middle October last year. So like man, when that seven point came through and I smoked him and he ran 15 yards and fell over, that was like the epitome for me of of success and just total redemption. You know, kind of just rewrote the whole you know couple years leading up to that one moment. So what was your what what were your standards kind of heading into this season? Yeah, my hands, my standards heading into the season were really just. I mean, I, I wanted to get one that was my biggest buck I've gotten. That was kind of the goal. Um, I don't didn't really have a, a measurement on that. I've never measured my bucks inches wise. Um, but honestly, it just kind of if I got my heart pumping and, and it felt like the right one, I was gonna gonna go for it. it, it I wasn't super picky on it. Um, and the buck I ended up shooting, it, it was a pretty quick decision. And before I ended up buying, it was kind of a lot of back and forth. I'm like, well, was it actually that big or not? So, yeah, it's essentially, I wanted to get my biggest buck I've gotten, but, um, yeah, whatever kind of gets you excited. And, and as I always say, it's, it's, it's something where as the season goes on, you kind of your standards start dropping a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, man, you didn't have much time for your standards to – to start dropping a little bit <laughs> you were you were pretty quick at it so this buck came off of uh, one of your private pieces is that right yeah yeah so okay. one of the private pieces and that like i said i was just gonna hunt um that opening weekend in private and then i was gonna head to public for the rest of september and october so it was really um those couple days i had the opportunity there and, and got it done okay so you you've got this piece of private you had some cameras out did you have this buck specifically on camera yep Okay. Yeah, I had him on camera, and there was, like, two other that I would qualify as kind of, like, target bucks, so. Okay. Were they about the same, I guess, antler size as this deer or age class as this as this deer, or uh, were they bigger, smaller? Yeah, uh, one other one was, was pretty similar. Um, then there's one, the one other one was, was like, a mega. He's, he's big. Not, I shouldn't say mega, but mega for, like, the property I hunt. So sure, sure. He's, like, a really nice, probably, like, I don't know, like, like 150 class deer. Okay. Um, Dude, that's a mega yeah, in my book every day. Like yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. So he's on camera a decent amount, but it's always like, whatever, it's 2 a.m. So I'm not, he he's not betting super close. He can tell he's, he's just passing through. So like, yeah, maybe during the run he'd, he'd pass through, but I didn't really have too much confidence with him early season. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point-of-view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. Their gear is made for outdoorsmen by outdoorsmen. Archery openers are just around the corner, and Tacticam has just released several new products to help you share your hunt and take your scouting to the next level. Topping the list is their 6.0 point-of-view camera providing 4K footage and a user-friendly waterproof package. They've also just released the new Solo Extreme, giving you HD footage, 3 to 8x zoom, and one-touch operation. And Tacticam's lineup of point-of-view cameras is supported by the best mounts and adapters on the market. This fall, I'll be using their Bose stabilizer mount, as well as their bendy clamp mount to make sure my cameras don't miss any of the action. And last but not least, Tacticam just launched the Reveal X Pro. With no visible flash, built-in LCD screen, and built-in GPS tracking, the Reveal X Pro will help you take your scouting to the next level. You can learn more about these and Tacticam's entire line of products at Tacticam.com or RevealCellCam.com. This episode is also brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, deer, turkeys, people, whatever. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target, and you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you occasionally forget to set the correct time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com to check them out. You can get a free trial on there for 30 days, and then when you're ready to buy, use the code WISCONSIN at checkout for 20% off of any plan. Now let's get back to the show. What can you tell me about the uh, the property that you were hunting? Like, how does it lay out? Is it uh, mostly ag? You said this one not a lot of bedding cover on it. So, you know, kind of give me a layout or a feel for the for the property. Yeah, there's uh, I would say probably at least two thirds ag. Um, so, like the whole north part is a couple big fields of ag. Um, there's kind of just like a belt of forest that goes through the middle of it. Uh, so maybe it's, um, the whole width of the property and maybe it's 
50 yards uh, north to south, so like not super wide, but enough to hold some deer. So it's just not not super super thick and kind of what deer like to bed in. There's some marshier areas on the neighbors. There's some really thick um, couple hundred acres of pines on the other neighbors. So they they tend to really kind of lay low in those spots and we'll use kind of that tree line as a travel corridor. So that's kind of the layout of the property. Um, along the kind of field edges, it's, it's kind of the little shelter belt where it's yeah, maybe 10 yards wide of some tall grass and, and brush and stuff like that. So a little bit of cover. Um, and then, yeah, this year there was corn and alfalfa up on the, the field up top. Okay. So tell me about what was your, I guess, your, your hunting strategy. Like how are you approaching this property did you kill this deer on opening day or? Yeah. Yeah. Opening afternoon. Wow, man. That's, that is incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, yeah. what was your opening day plan? Like, did you hunt the morning? Yeah. So I hunted the morning. Um, I really didn't have much confidence for the morning. Um, I honestly hunted a spot where I, I didn't really have too much camera intel. It was kind of a historic pinch point where deer kind of head from, yeah, from, from food to bedding. Um, and it was really a spot that was kind of, easy to get to. I wasn't going to bump from any deer. I mainly just honestly just wanted to get out. It was open in the morning. I'm like, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to hunt. I'm going to try to have least amount of impact I can because I'm not confident in any of the other morning spots. Um, so yeah, I went out it, it there. Didn't see anything that opening morning. Didn't even really see a squirrel. I don't think. Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of the, the afternoon I knew was my best, best chance at one. Yeah. And you did, you didn't feel like these deer were bedding really anywhere nearby. Is that right? Yeah, so that's that, that's why I went to that mooring spot. I'm like, they don't they don't bed here. They might pass through here, so I'm, I'm not going to mess anything up. Um, and if I get lucky, I get lucky and at least get a, a trial run that morning with, with getting everything. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing like that first uh, that first time in that first morning in specifically where you're like getting all your stuff together in the dark and like trying to get yourself back up in the tree and uh, yeah. all the things you relearn. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. I, I had a pretty hard time with. It. I mean, I I'd practice some, uh, some over the the summertime, just shooting on my saddle and stuff, but never like the full setup. So it's like, whatever. I got the, the cord to hang my backpack and like the little my knee pad thing, and like I didn't get all that out. So just getting that up and like, oh, where did I put this? Where did I put that? It's yeah. It took a little bit actually getting up there that first that first tip. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and my buddy Pierce, we were. Uh... We, we went out for what was my first morning hunt of the year. And, uh, man, it was it was a cluster trying to get us up. And we were actually both trying to climb the same tree and be on, like, separate trunks because it kind of went up and trunked out. And, uh, man, I, I wish I, I could have videoed us trying to get up into the tree that morning because it was just – it was a joke. And there were deer all around us. We were, like, listening to deer walk around and, like, pretty sure heard a deer coughing and stuff as we were setting up. We're like, dude, this is – this is insane. Like this, this is crazy, you know, trying to, trying to figure all of this stuff out again. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's so funny. I've been there so many times, I feel like, and yeah, you, when you're practicing, you're always practicing on like the perfect, like whatever telephone pole straight up and down tree. You never practice on those trees that are just crazy. So it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's in this, this tree we were trying to get into one was crazy big around. So I could barely get my straps for my sticks around the tree. And then yeah. we get up and it, and it trunks out. So it's like, okay, now we got to decide which direction, like which trunk are we going to keep climbing to try to get up into the right place. And to top it all off, it was like this walnut grove. And so, you know, there are these walnuts like bent on murdering us, uh, and just falling from the sky every now and then. It's like, oh man, we've got to awesome. be, be super careful. It just got super sketchy. But uh, anyway, so you, you head back in for the afternoon. Your hopes are high. Are you, you feeling a little better about your odds for that afternoon hunt? Yeah, I was feeling pretty good about the odds. Um, I hadn't really glassed any as far as scouting. It's, it was kind of the property um, south to north. You're going uphill the whole way. So back in the property is to the north, um, and it's mostly ag, some of those shelter belts um, kind of around the corner. So honestly, it's, it's tough to get up there and really be able to, like, glass early season and, and scout deer without getting busted because you're either, if it's the morning, you're walking through that ag where they're feeding, or if it's, at night, you got to leave walking through that same egg. So it's really hard to kind of get in and out without busting deer. So honestly, I just kind of left it be. I, I let the trail cam do the scouting for me um, and just kind of collected intel that way and, and didn't go up kind of to the area I was going to hunt at all um, probably yeah, three months before that, just kind of letting it sit. So that was the goal. But I knew just from historic 
kind of tendencies. There's going to be deer there on, on opening day, especially with some alfalfa up there. Um, and yeah, and yeah, just from, from trail cams, had a, uh, cell cams, and pictures every day. So kind of knew what was around the area. Yeah. So tell, tell me about the setup then. So you're, you're accessing from South to North. Is that right? Yeah. What kind of wind did you have? Uh, so I think it was blowing to the Northeast. Yeah. So I ended up doing, again, some uh, kind of unique access where I usually do. Usually I just kind of head straight up, like the fence line straight north to this, this spot, um, which is kind of off uh, one of those shelter belts on the, on the egg field up north. Um, but I ended up doing like kind of a J hook into it. So I, I was figuring the deer were probably bedding to the west of where I was going to be at. And I really didn't want that, that wind to blow into them. So I thought I'll J hook, I'll go the, the long way all, all the way outside of the board of the property. Um, there's also kind of some, some white oaks over there that I wanted to scout a little bit. I knew they were dropping. So I wanted to see if there was some tracks around there too. And if there was a bunch of sign I might've set up there. Um, but yeah, J hooked and, and ended up getting in there without, without pooping that off. So. Yeah. When you got to the white oaks, you, you didn't see the sign you wanted or they weren't dropping like you wanted or. Yeah. I mean, they they were dropping a little bit and there was some, some doe tracks around, but, um, if I remember correctly, I think the ground was a little wet and I had, didn't see any real like fresh buck tracks or anything. So just kept on going. Yeah. All right. So you keep on going from there. What's like your destination that you have in mind? Are you trying to get close to that, to that alfalfa or what's the plan? Yeah. So trying to get close to that alfalfa, uh, just kind of in that shelter belt that that's on there, just knowing that they're probably going to come on that alfalfa and feed and just hope they come kind of close enough to where it stands up. Okay. Walk me through then, I guess the, the rest of the evening, like you get in there, do you feel like you had good access? Like, do you feel like you got in there quiet and, you know, without making too much noise with it being the first, you know, one of the first hunts of the season? Yeah, I felt like I got, got in there um, pretty quiet. Um, I think there was a little bit of wind that day, so it covered up the noise a little bit. Um, again, like the morning, it, was, it wasn't the cleanest setup. I think I ended up setting my platform a little bit too high, and, like, I got up on it, stood up, and, like, my, there was, like, a tree branch right next to my head. I'm like, it's not going to work. So I ended up getting down and, and lowering it, like, a foot and getting back up on it. So um, definitely could have gotten there cleaner, but I think it, I didn't sneak anything. It wasn't, like, a ton of noise. just took a little bit bit more time so um but yeah i got set up uh situated was was kind of loving just being out there hunting again and started seeing a few deer um pretty far away which was still fun just being able to, to watch them um ended up being a really good night as far as, as deer i saw one other kind of shooter buck with a couple other smaller bucks um a couple hundred yards away and thought i might have an opportunity with them and they ended up going into the cornfield um had a couple of doe, a doe and two fawns walk like right underneath me. Like I could have just dropped something on top of them. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and kind of right after those those doe passed by and I was watching them, um, heard some noise from, from the west and kind of peeked over there. And I saw a, a, like a four-point buck coming towards me at probably 30 yards, so pretty close. And, so, you know, I grabbed the bow. Um, I wasn't going to shoot him, but I, I figured this time of the year they're kind of in those bachelor groups, so. Grabbed the bow, um, looked back, couldn't see where that, that four point was at, and then kind of heard something else, and then a little bit kind of farther down, um, looked out, and, and the buck I ended up shooting is walked out at, at 25 yards, just kind of standing there, starting to feed, and it was pretty crazy. He came out at shooting range already. I feel like most of the time, I, you see him kind of come in, you time to prep, and kind of check out their antlers and think about it a little bit, but it was pretty quick that I looked up, and he was right there. And so how tempted were you to shoot the, uh, to shoot the doe that came through? Uh, I wasn't super tempted. I, I, I wasn't going to shoot a doe that day. I, I kind of decided, um, at least on that, that private piece, I didn't want to take any doe off, off there. I was going to shoot one in public probably, but yeah, it was, I had my mind made up that I was only going to go home with a buck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you, you look up the bucks at 25 yards already. Is he, is he calm and feeding? Does he, uh, is he kind of starting to act like uh, maybe he knows something's up? Yeah, he was calm and feeding. That's, that's what kind of surprised me because, like, the doe came through and they were a little kind of thought something was up but didn't spook or anything and was fine. And uh, my wind was still pretty good for, for where he was at. He was kind of west to southwest of me, and the wind was blowing, like, north to northwest. So it wasn't directly opposite him, but it shouldn't have been blowing right at him. So. Um, yeah, he just came out, had sat down, was was eating, and um, yeah, like I was kind of saying, I had to make a quick decision. So it's, I'm looking at him, 
And yeah, the goal is, yeah, I want to shoot one that was kind of the biggest one ever and something that gets the blood flowing. But like, it's so hard to tell when you're one, you got adrenaline pumping and two, it's like, I got to make a decision like right now. Cause he was slowly kind of starting to walk away. Oh, okay. So yeah. And ended up, yeah, the sign, yeah, I want to take it and drew back and, and let her rip. And honestly, like thinking back on it right after I, I, I don't even remember drawing back and like most of the shot. I remember right when I drew back, I was obviously shaking a little bit. And I remember like taking a breath and like leveling out my bubble and then firing. But like the whole like drawing back, I don't remember like any of that. So it was just, I guess, muscle memory at that point. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's one area of bow hunting where I'm, I'm trying to slow things down because I have often in the past, you know, had a deer come out. I know it's one I want to shoot. And like, next thing I know the an arrow was gone and I have no idea what happened. Like, I don't know if I hit him, where I hit him, what happened. You know, it's, it's like, I just black out and I wake up and I'm like, ah, oh, I shot at something, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to get in the process of slowing all that down because you're right, man. So much happens in that moment when the, when the adrenaline is pumping. So you take this shot. Was he, a, you said he was about 25. Is that about where you yeah, I think he was, he was probably a little bit closer to 30 at that point. So I have uh, just a two-pin sight. Uh, I'm a, my top end was set at like 25, so I held just a hair high. But, yeah, he was between 20, or 25 and 30. Okay. Any drop at the shot or anything? No. No, that's what I mean. He didn't know I was there at all. So wow. um, he's, he's quartering away a little bit. So I tried to aim a little bit back. and. I definitely, I wasn't, wasn't fully sure in the, the shot just because, like you said, it happened so quick. Um, I knew I hit him just by the sound of it, you know, kind of that full thwack, and um, definitely a, a good investment from just my experiences to light a knock. Um, I've had, yeah, I think my second year of bow hunting, I, I took a shot at like a little Baskarak 8, and yeah, I didn't have a light knock. It was kind of right before last light, and um, never found the arrow. I'm, I'm pretty confident that I missed him. I looked for blood and looked for him for forever, but I learned from that to, to always use light and axe. So that really helped just be able to, to see that arrow and kind of see where it penetrated through. But yeah, I wasn't fully sure if it was, I mean, the, that window is so small, you got to hit. So I was like, Oh, is that lungs? Is that, that hit him back a little bit? Um, especially when he's quartering away. Yeah. So what, what time did you take the shot? Like, is this, are we, are we pretty early in the evening? Are we pushing shooting light? Um, it wasn't, wasn't pushing shooting light. I think it was, um, maybe half an hour before, before shooting light was up. So, I mean, it was getting closer, but it wasn't like dark. It was still pretty light out. Okay. So you take the shot, deer runs off. Do you hear it go down? Do you see him go down or, <laughs> or was it like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't see it go down. So I shot, uh, heard the thump, but I, I knew I hit it somewhere. Um, and just based on kind of where I saw the light knock, it looked like center of the body. That's all I could really tell at that point. Um, so ran off into the field and then it got like, whatever, 150 yards away. And so I had my bow in my hand and I was like, oh shoot, like I want to, I want to be able to see like when it runs into the trees, um, where it runs in or, or see it. Yeah. If I can see where I shot it or anything. So like I took my eyes off it for like two seconds to hang my bow up and grab my binoculars. So I hang my bow up, grab my binoculars, and look back, and it's gone. I'm like, where did this thing go? I'm like, this, this thing just beeline for the trees, or like, did it drop right there? And it was in like some, it was in the short like alfalfa at that point. So it's like, I should be able to see it if it dropped. So I didn't know if it dropped or or what. So that was kind of the most unknown part of it. Um, so yeah, so I ended up just giving him some time because I didn't know where it was. Yeah. So w- I'm always curious about this. Who is the first text or phone call that you uh, that you're making? Oh, that's a tough one. I think it's probably my cousin. Him and I are pretty pretty close with just deer hunting and always sending each other trail cam pictures and everything. So I think texted or called him, my dad, um, the girlfriend. So just kind of made the rounds on that. Yeah, yeah, very cool. All right, so you get done, or you you obviously you you, you make the shot, you climb down. What do you find? First of all, how much time did you give the deer before you went looking? Uh, I gave it a, a decent amount, probably, like, it's not crazy long, maybe like an hour and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, I, 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 
felt fairly confident on it. Like I couldn't tell you like, yeah, hundred percent that I was like the deer's dead, but I felt fairly confident of where the shot was at and the fact it was quartering away. Like I knew I hit it a little bit back, but that was intentional because it was the angle of the deer. Yeah. So, yep. Um, yeah, I got down and right when I got down, I just looked for the arrow quick just for kind of reassurance. And, and yeah, I was able to find the arrow that let it knock right away. And yeah, I was covered in blood, clean path through. So that was a good sign. And then, yeah, I just left the arrow there to kind of mark the spots and, and went back down to the truck just to let it wait for, for a while. Nice. What, uh, what's your setup? What's your arrow and, and broadhead setup, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so this is the first year I tried out the new Annihilator broadheads. I guess they're not new, but uh, so they're fixed, kind of like it's a one-piece, um, kind of a unique design to them. But, yeah, it really did the trick for me. I went pop right through them and pretty happy with the forms there, the blood trail. Um, the arrows, I'm trying to think of the name of it. They're not, not anything too fancy. It's just like, a. I think it's one of the base level, like Easton arrows. Sure. Those, those yeah. annihilator broadheads look pretty sweet. Yeah, they, they definitely look cool. And, um, I like it cause you can just like sharpen them yourself. And that's what, that's what I did right, right before the hunt. I, that night before I sharpened them and it's like, oh, I better sharpen these up. It's been a year. Not that they got too dull, just. Not shooting anything last year, but yeah. <laughs> Man. So, all right. So you get down, find the arrow. You're pretty certain of it. You go back to look. Uh, I'm guessing you've probably got a little bit of help at this point. Uh, what's the blood trail like? Yeah, so I went up there. Um, I ended up getting help from my my uncle kind of getting it out of there. But I just went back up alone because I, I just don't want to, if it, if it was still alive, I don't want to have too much pressure and too much noise and stuff. So went back to the arrow. Um, yeah, right away found blood, which is good. Um, it kind of wasn't a ton after the first blood, but then I, I got on it and it was a, a pretty solid trail for that. So okay. it was pretty clear after that. It's like, all right, this deer isn't going too far. Um, so kept tracking it. Yeah. I'm probably a hundred yards getting close to where I saw it and looked up and could see the kind of alfalfa matted down. I couldn't see the deer yet, but it looked like either it was like a bed or there was a deer in it and. Yeah, I walked up and he was right there. So, oh, very cool. So uh, he had gone down in the field. That's why you couldn't see him anymore. Yeah, he just dropped right there. It is weird. Like down Felpa was only like a foot tall or two feet tall, but I mean, when they lay down in there, you can't really see. So, yeah, yeah, very cool, man. All right, so you walk up on this deer. Tell me about sort of the the emotions, the first thoughts that are kind of flooding to you as uh, as you're walking up on what is your your best archery buck to this point man I was, I was pumped uh, i was pumped and i one that i found him because i kept going back and forth in my head i'm like oh that's a bad shot i'm tracking him all night like i was you know you just get those negative thoughts and then also it's like just the the antler size it's like ah, i think it was a pretty good one but it's like i only had like four seconds to look for a shot so like, it could have been smaller and i could have just been thinking it was bigger so yeah walking up on it i was pumped i found it looked at the antlers and it's definitely my biggest buck and it was really solid. I could tell, I wasn't sure when I shot it, which one it was off trail cans, but once I kind of walked up to it on the ground, I, I remembered which one it was and it's pretty easy to tell. Um, but yeah, man. And then it was, then it kind of hit me in like, I'm done. I'm done bow hunting for the, for the year for <laughs> bucks at least. I can still go out and throw the doe tag, but like, what? this is, this is crazy. But yeah, I was pumped. I was, I was really excited that, um, I was able to, to get one. And then kind of after that, it was just like, well, it's, it's not the coldest out here. What's the plan going to be for, for getting this deer either to the, the processor or get it hung up and cooled off. So then it was kind of a, a scramble mode of, of getting that done. Yeah. So what, what did you end up doing with him? Did you process him yourself? Did you take him somewhere? Yeah, I ended up taking him somewhere. Um, I haven't processed the deer myself yet. That's, that's a goal of mine, but um, didn't want to make it the first one when it was whatever, 70 degrees out and you got the added pressure. So, uh, yeah, I ended up taking them uh, to the local processor here, and they actually had a, an after-hours pop-off where the cooler is open. You can just drop it off yourself, so that was really helpful. Yeah, man, that, that's really, really nice. I, I grew up hunting in the south, and it was really common to shoot a deer when it's way too warm to be shooting deer. I mean, it, it can be yeah. hot, and it's it's always so much pressure. It's like, all right, I've shot the deer now we got to get moving. We got to track him right now. We got to get him in the truck right now. We got to get him to the processor right now because, man, if you if you let a deer spoil, it, it is extremely disappointing. That's happened uh, to my or that happened to my very first 
uh, archery buck that I shot. It was, um, I think like the second day of archery season in Alabama. And, and I shot the deer and I let him lay for just a little bit too long. I had been, I'd been watching too much TV, you know, yeah. and, uh, they, you know, talking about, Oh yeah, we, we shot him. We're going to, we're going to give him an hour and a half. Well, by the time I gave him a little bit of time and got him to the processor, uh, the meat was not, was not doing so great, but it was probably, I mean, to be fair, it was probably going to get up to 80 that day. So, uh, yeah, it was yeah, for, sure. warm for that. Yeah. That's a whole different ball game down south. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure, for sure. So, tell us about the buck, man. You've mentioned he's a ten point. What are we talking as far as width, tine length, all that stuff? Do you have an estimate of how old you think the deer was? Yeah, as far as uh, overall size, I didn't take any like, real measurements on him. Uh, not too. I don't do like the whole and just measurement or or I never have. Not that I'm against it. I just honestly have never done it. So sure, sure. I don't know if I, if I had a guess just based on kind of what other people say, just watching YouTube and stuff like. It, Probably like I don't know, maybe one twenty class, plus or minus. I honestly I don't know. It could be could be more, could be less. So, um, but yeah, so today that's my biggest buck. Um, decent time length, drop times weren't too tall. Um, just really symmetrical, good color to him. So definitely pumped to have him on the wall for a year amount. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Well, man, and that's gosh, I love what Tony Peterson says. He 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 talks about, you know, talking to people kind of around the country who were just like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just looking for something that's Pope and Young. I'm just, you know, just Pope and Young, you know, like it's not a big deal. And he's like, no, 120-inch deer is a huge deer. Like that's a really big deer. That's a great animal, and that's a rare opportunity. Like not a lot of guys are able to shoot 120-inch deer. So sealing the deal, man, on the first day of the season, congratulations uh, are in order, I think. You know, well done on that, but – but yeah, man, what a what a deer! So, where do you go from here? Like, I've I've personally never tagged out in a one buck state uh, like Wisconsin. Well, one buck for for archery equipment uh, early like that. Like, I've I've shot some deer early in the south, but you know, in the south they'll basically let you kill you know twenty deer a year if you want to. So I've never had that opportunity. What comes next, man? Like, what do you what do you even do? Like, have you have you even still been thinking about deer hunting? Yeah, man, it's pretty crazy. I've definitely still been thinking about it, and definitely there's some days you wake up and it doesn't feel like you're you're tagged out. Like, oh, I should be should be getting out there this weekend. Cold front's coming in and, and ready to go. But <laughs> yeah, still doing a lot of thinking about it, um, and still yeah, just thinking about oh, what am I gonna do? Just go sit by myself in the tree with no bow and just watch deer. But <laughs> yeah. luckily, we we just bought a house here a few weeks back, so I've been staying really busy with that. Just projects around. Uh, around the house and then actually planning on doing a, a elk hunt out in Colorado this fall. So I'm um, going to be heading there here in a couple of weeks, um, going out for the second rifle season um, over the counter. So been doing a lot of kind of just research, watching YouTube videos, prepping the gear for that. Yeah. So the second rifle season in, in Colorado, is that an either sex tag? Um, no, so the, the over the counter is bull. Okay. Um, and then you had to draw for a cow. I think it was, so I just went with the over the counter out for a bull. So gotcha. See, gotcha. Very cool, man. Well, good luck to you. Have you, have you considered crossing the dreaded border and visiting the wicked state down South? Uh, I've considered it. I haven't put too much thought into it, but that was kind of like the day after I got my deer. I'm like, oh, what other states can I go to? And and try to get an archery tag for it. So we'll see. I'm not going to completely rule it out, but yeah, I think between now and the end of the month, when you're pretty busy, just kind of prepping for that elk hunt. And then, yeah, we'll see when I get back that, that first week in November. Um, if the itch is really there, I might have to make something happen. We'll see. Man, so you're, you're getting back the first week of November. Yeah, so I'm getting back, uh, I think like November 3rd, I want to say it is. So, Oh, dude, that'll that'll be the test then, man. Like you're gonna get back, yeah. and it's gonna be like, man, some of those, some of those uh, public lands right on the northern border of Illinois look pretty, uh, look pretty okay right now. Yeah, I know they're <laughs> pretty enticing. I'm not too far. I'm only like probably hour, hour and a half from some of the the northern border parts. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, very cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Where can folks go if they want to find more from you? I know you've got a YouTube channel, you've got an Instagram page. Yeah, for sure. The Instagram is, is just Hunt Strength. Um, and Jayco on there, um, for the, yeah, the YouTube page is, is just Jayco. Uh, I haven't posted on there in a while. I was actually trying to try to film this hunt where I, where I shot my buck this year and 
it happened so quick. I filmed some B-roll before, and then all of a sudden I was like, it's a buck on the ground. That's not much of a film done. So <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't too disappointed about it. I take the buck any day. So. That's right, man. I, I've but talked yeah. to a ton of people about filming, specifically self-filming. And it's like, man, when that animal walks out, all bets are off. Like, if it's a turkey, you can be pretty sure I'm going to get it on film. If it's a deer, you can be pretty positive that I have totally forgotten about all of my camera equipment. And, you know, that that deer is the only thing on my mind right now. So, um, yeah. Well, man, thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Congratulations again, and good luck to you on your uh, Colorado elk hunt. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very, very much for having me on. That's all for this week's episode. If you dig this podcast, be sure to go and subscribe wherever you find your other podcasts. If you would, please go leave us a five-star review. I'd very much appreciate it. You can follow along with all my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Deer Lab. Please go support the brands that support this show. And until next time, make sure to take the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.